Join us this July for our hashtag Stop the Demand campaign as we raise awareness to help stop the demand for pornography and sexual exploitation. We invite you to educate yourselves and others on how the porn industry fuels the demand for exploitation, sex trafficking, objectification, and more. Learn more and get involved in the campaign at ftnd.org forward slash stop. That's ftnd.org forward slash stop. My name is Garrett Johnson, and you're listening to Consider Before Consuming, a podcast by Fight the New Drug. And in case you're new here, Fight the New Drug is a non-religious and non-legislative organization that exists to provide individuals the opportunity to make an informed decision regarding pornography by raising awareness on its harmful effects using only science, facts, and personal accounts. During these episodes, we cover a wide variety of topics that may be triggering to some. You can refer to the episode notes for a specific trigger warning. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to part three of our Get the Facts series, where we explore the research on a specific topic surrounding porn's harms on individuals, relationships, and society to help you be more informed and empowered with the facts. Today's episode is how porn can fuel sex trafficking. You can find the sources to the claims made in this episode or read along at ftnd.org forward slash get the facts. Now let's get to the episode. It was 21 days after Jane Doe's 22nd birthday when she boarded a flight to San Diego that, unbeknownst to her, would change her life forever. That day, she would become one of hundreds of young women who had been filmed for Girls Do Porn, a widely popular porn production company which garnered well over a billion views, ranking around the 20th most popular channel on Pornhub and reportedly generating an estimated $17 million in revenue. But what most of Girls Do Porn's millions of viewers did not realize was that Jane, and many other women involved with Girls Do Porn, was actually a victim of sex trafficking. See, Jane never agreed to do porn at all. She had flown to San Diego to participate in what she was told would be a fitness modeling job. But when she arrived, she was met by several men who took her phone, intimidated her into signing a contract she wasn't allowed to read, plied her with drugs and alcohol, and trapped her in a hotel room where they told her she would be filmed for a porn video. Even after she tried to run away, the men forced her to comply. With no way out, Jane was violently raped on camera for over six hours. The nearly hour-long video of her abuse was then released on the Girls Do Porn website and published on nearly every major porn site, even using her full legal name in the title. When Jane first learned that the videos of her rape had been published, she ran to the bathroom and was violently sick. Now, you might be thinking something along the lines of, wow, that's a really tragic story, but luckily I don't watch porn that shows violence or non-consensual activity, so I'm good. But let's not forget that Girls Do Porn was a popular and well-recognized name in the porn world, and the victims were often forced to smile and pretend that they were enjoying themselves. Although the Girls Do Porn owners were eventually charged with sex trafficking, they had millions of viewers and operated unchecked for 11 years, despite numerous victims' desperate pleadings to have the content removed. As Jane put it in our interview with her about her experience, and I quote, 
I didn't know if they were going to kill me. Watching the video now, I can see it in my eyes. The quivering of my lips and my voice. I know exactly how I was feeling in that moment. But to anyone else who sees it, they see what they want, and they think I was complicit. End quote. The fact of the matter is that sex trafficking in porn is a much bigger issue than most people realize. According to cases reported to the National Human Trafficking Hotline, pornography was the third most common form of sex trafficking, after escort services and illicit massage businesses. So, is there a truly viable way for a consumer to guarantee that the porn they're watching is consensual and abuse-free? How can a consumer verify consent in the production of porn? What happens when performers are coerced to lie about a sex act being consensual when it actually wasn't? Sex trafficking is, by nature, an underground issue, which means that accurate statistics are difficult to come by. If anything, the numbers reflecting sex trafficking's pervasiveness are likely higher than reports indicate. But regardless of the exact numbers, it's important to remember that one person trafficked is one too many. Obviously, sex trafficking is not new, and it's not the only form of trafficking. For the sake of this article, let's focus on sex trafficking and its connection to porn based on existing research and accounts from survivors. Let's start with the basics. What exactly is sex trafficking? The legal definition gets technical, but sex trafficking is a type of human trafficking, and human trafficking is exactly what it sounds like, buying or selling humans. It's the purest form of objectification, the literal commoditization of a human being. The vast majority of human trafficking victims come from vulnerable populations, and of the approximately 24.9 million victims of forced labor, an estimated 4.8 million, about 19%, are trafficked for sex. Even more disturbingly, more than one in five sex trafficking victims, an estimated 21%, are children. According to one report of the domestic minor trafficking victims who had been forced into porn production, the average age they began being filmed was 12.8 years old. Now, this is the part where most people start visualizing the Hollywood version of sex trafficking. Young people being kidnapped while traveling in some faraway country, kept in chains, and forced into selling sex. And yes, those stories do exist. They're not only real, but they can be closer to home than you might imagine. But the kidnapped victim's narrative does not reflect the reality of most victims' experiences. Sex trafficking often involves psychological manipulation and often exploits the most vulnerable populations. In fact, according to a report of prosecuted sex trafficking cases in the U.S., 59% of coercive tactics used by traffickers were non-physical, compared to 41% of tactics involving physical coercion. So while sex trafficking can happen to anyone from any background, those who are most vulnerable to trafficking include those living in poverty, those experiencing substance dependency, racial minorities, those who have experienced abuse or trauma prior to being trafficked, and runaway homeless or LGBTQ youth. One survivor named Jose explained to us that when his family kicked him out of the house at age 16 after learning he is gay, the vulnerability of having no home or social support made him susceptible to the manipulation of traffickers and abusers who offered to take him in. Coupled with the trauma he experienced from physical and sexual abuse during his childhood, Jose was so psychologically manipulated by his traffickers, 
He was not even aware he was being trafficked until long after the fact. As Jose put it, and I quote, For a long time I felt like, well, if my story isn't like the movie Taken, then maybe I wasn't trafficked. It took a long time for me to realize that what had happened to me was actually sex trafficking. End quote. Unfortunately, some people listen to stories of victims being sex trafficked through the use of coercion and ask, why didn't she just leave? Or, why didn't he just say no? Firstly, it's important to remember that trafficking is never the fault of the victim, and blaming the victim only adds to their trauma. Secondly, the fact of the matter is that the psychological manipulation used by traffickers can often be just as powerful, if not more powerful, as physical force. In fact, like Jose, many victims are trafficked by their families, romantic partners, or other trusted individuals. Victims of child sexual abuse material, sometimes referred to as child pornography, are particularly likely to be victimized by parental figures. So, if the Hollywood version is all you know about sex trafficking, then you're only seeing one part of a much more complex picture. To understand that picture, you have to understand the Trafficking Victims Protection Act. In the year 2000, in response to reports of international human trafficking, one of the broadest bipartisan coalitions in history came together to pass the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, or TVPA. The landmark legislation identified severe forms of human trafficking, imposed harsh criminal penalties for offenders, and provided support systems for the victims. Amended and reauthorized most recently in 2017, the Trafficking Victims Protection Act defines sex trafficking as a situation in which a commercial sex act is induced by force, fraud, or coercion, or in which the person induced to perform such act has not attained 18 years of age. If any one piece of that definition is present in a commercial sex act, force, fraud, coercion, or the participation of a minor, it's automatically sex trafficking. While most instances of sex trafficking involve more than one aspect of manipulation, let's break down the TVPA definition piece by piece. First off, let's define commercial sex act. According to the TVPA, a commercial sex act refers to a situation in which anything of value is exchanged for sexual services. Usually, that means money is exchanged. But anything of value can also refer to groceries, rent, or even drugs. Victims who are under the age of 18. If anyone under the age of 18 is involved in a commercial sex act, it automatically qualifies as sex trafficking, according to the TVPA. If they're younger than 18, they are not legally capable of giving meaningful consent, which means that if they're participating in a commercial sex act, it's trafficking, period. For example, in October 2019, a 15-year-old girl who had been reported missing nearly a year earlier was spotted in an estimated 58 pornographic videos posted online including to one of the world's most popular porn sites. It's impossible to know how many people watched those videos, not knowing she was a minor and a victim of sex trafficking. Fortunately, she was found, and her trafficker has since been arrested. Sex trafficking through force. If someone is physically overpowered, drugged, or otherwise made to participate in a commercial sex act against their will or without their consent, they have been sex trafficked by force. 
Remember the example we used earlier about Jane Doe and girls do porn? Because the producers physically trapped her when she tried to run away, that automatically qualifies as sex trafficking by force. In another case of sex trafficking by force, two men, one a former Miami police officer, lured women to Florida to audition for modeling jobs. When the women arrived, however, the men drugged them, filmed them being raped, and then sold the footage as porn online and to stores across the U.S. Some victims, not fully aware of what had happened to them, later woke up in their cars covered in vomit. Other victims had absolutely no recollection of what happened before being made aware of the videos. This went on for five years before the men were finally convicted. Because these women were drugged and raped while unconscious, that qualifies as sex trafficking by force. In another example, around 100 women were recruited to participate in what they were told would be a sleep study. When they arrived at the study's location, they were drugged, raped, and filmed by a man who then sold the footage to porn sites, making an estimated $100,000. Again, sex trafficking by force. It's important to note that there are many trafficking victims who are already being sold for sex, whose assaults are then filmed and distributed as pornography. One survivor named Jessa, who was trafficked by her family as a young child and into her adulthood, told us in an interview, and I quote, I had guns pointed at me, and people were telling me that if I didn't keep doing what they told me to do, that I would be shot. I was being raped, but I had a smile on my face. I had to act like I enjoyed it. End quote. Jessa had already been forced into sex trafficking and was then filmed by her traffickers and abusers. Sexual abuse and sex trafficking are incredibly traumatic events to begin with, but when that trauma is filmed and distributed as pornography, the victims are re-traumatized over and over. How many of these videos were viewed by individuals who would never dream of contributing to human trafficking? Individuals who assumed they were watching the work of consenting performers? The unfortunate truth is that it's incredibly difficult to guarantee that performers are truly participating consensually. In fact, sex trafficking in porn still happens, even when people aren't physically forced into it. Which brings us to sex trafficking by fraud. Compelling someone to participate in a commercial sex act by lying or tricking them qualifies as sex trafficking by fraud. For example, the producers of Girls Do Porn intentionally misrepresented themselves as agents looking for young models, used fraudulent contracts as leverage to force the girls into performing in porn, and lied that the footage would never be published online. That qualifies as sex trafficking by fraud. Similarly, it was recently uncovered that the Czech Casting Porn Production Company, which is run by the largest producer of pornography in the Czech Republic, had been trafficking young women into porn production by luring them with the promise of a high-paying modeling job. Similar to Jane Doe's story, when the women arrived on set for their modeling gigs, they were tricked into signing contracts they weren't given time to read or understand. Those contracts were then used as leverage to induce the women into being filmed for porn. Unfortunately, these are not isolated incidents. There are countless examples of victims being tricked into porn, including when a man in Florida secretly filmed men he had sex with and sold the videos to porn sites. 
the growing number of women tricked into participating in Japan's multi-billion dollar porn industry, or the long list of vulnerable teens and young people who are recruited to be models then coursed into porn, all of which brings us to sex trafficking by coercion. If someone is made to participate in a commercial sex act through the use of threats, manipulation, or intimidation, that is sex trafficking by coercion. This means that a commercial sex act can be sex trafficking even if no one was physically assaulted, and even if no one was tricked or defrauded. All it takes is coercion. The moment a victim is coerced, manipulated, or intimidated into participating in a commercial sex act, sex trafficking has occurred, even if the victim receives a paycheck when it's over. For example, in the Girls Do Porn case, the producers threatened to cancel the girls' flights home if they didn't comply and threatened to sue the girls for breaking their contracts if they refused to participate. All of that is coercion. The factor of coercion in trafficking situations is one of the more misunderstood elements, even though it's likely the most common form of trafficking in porn. So, here are a few extra examples. A boyfriend bullies his girlfriend into selling sex to pay for rent, trafficking by coercion. A man posts videos of his girlfriend on a pornographic subscription site, then threatens to show her family and friends if she doesn't do it again, trafficking by coercion. A porn performer shows up on set to discover that the scene is much more brutal than she had been told, yet the producer threatens to blacklist her if she doesn't go through with it, again, trafficking by coercion. Now, maybe you're thinking, if a performer agrees to it, then it's all good, right? Well, consent is a slippery word in the world of porn. When it comes to consent, a yes is only valid if a no is a legitimate option. Of all the ways pornography and sex trafficking overlap, one of the most surprising elements of all might be this. Even in the production of mainstream porn with popular performers, sex trafficking can still occur, and it happens more regularly than you might think. Remember, sex trafficking doesn't require kidnapping or threats of violence. All it requires is force, fraud, or coercion. For example, one common way trafficking occurs in the porn industry is through the coercion used by agents, producers, and even directors on set. Many performers enter the porn industry out of financial desperation. Some deal with substance addictions, and others already in the industry stay out of fear that their history in porn will make it impossible to find another job. While these scenarios are not necessarily the case with all performers, it's important to recognize that agents and producers often exploit these vulnerabilities in order to coerce performers into producing more, and more hardcore, content. Producers may lie or withhold information about what is expected of the performer. Agents may threaten to blacklist the performer if they don't go through with what they're pressuring them to do. Regardless, this type of coercion is commonplace in the porn industry, and legally speaking, it's trafficking. One performer described her experiences of being coerced into a scene she had not fully consented to, saying, and I quote, I was in California, and I had a blowjob scene. I go there, and he's like, oh yeah, it's a forced blowjob. And I'm like, what? Just one guy, one little camera on a tripod. I was scared. I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I could tell him no, or the fact that we had already recorded 15 minutes of it, if I could just leave. Then what? That's when I understood. That's how rape victims feel. 
like they feel bad about themselves. End quote. Here are a few more quotes from former and current porn performers that show what coercion can look like in context. Keep in mind that some of these performers were, or are, popular and well-known in the porn industry. I was threatened that if I didn't do the scene, I was going to get sued for lots of money. I tried to stop the scene, but the director told me I was ruining the flow and to just put my head back in the frame. He told me that I had to do it, and if I can't, he would charge me and I would lose any other bookings I had because I would make his agency look bad. To be perfectly honest, I was afraid. I didn't know what would happen to me. I was in a warehouse, it was nighttime, there were multiple men there on set, it was just me, I didn't have a car. I just remember being so scared, and so uncomfortable, and in so much pain. But again, the only thing that ran through my head was that he was either going to hurt me if I tried to walk off the set, or that I would be blacklisted, or that I wasn't going to get paid. I was also in shock. None of these quotes are from someone who is chained in a room. None of these quotes are from victims who were beaten into submission or held at gunpoint in some run-down brothel. Each of these performers went home at the end of the shoot and collected a paycheck. But does it really sound like enthusiastic consent, or does it sound more like coercion? This aspect of the porn world is so common, current porn performers tell the same stories. It speaks volumes about the culture and expectations of the porn industry that often, when you hear these same complaints from people still inside the business, they often frame them in terms of an unprofessional agent, director, or actor. Unfortunately, because the culture of the porn industry is so blasé about abuse, cases are often never brought forward. In fact, when performers do speak out about the abuse they've experienced, they're often ostracized, blacklisted, or even threatened by people in the industry. As a legal matter, under the TVPA, these aren't just people being bad at their jobs. These are potential sex trafficking crimes, punishable by up to 20 years in prison. According to the United Nations definition of human trafficking, it doesn't even matter whether the victim said no. The consent of the trafficked person becomes irrelevant whenever any of the means of trafficking, coercion, fraud, threat of force, etc. are used. Many pro-porn advocates who recognize the harms and damages of the mainstream porn industry and mainstream sites now advocate for porn consumers to get their content from alternative sites that put more control in the hands of the content creators. Yet while sites like OnlyFans may take more precautions than more mainstream sites, they are still not exempt from these issues. Despite being advertised as an ethical alternative to porn tube sites, OnlyFans has also been found to host child sexual abuse material and non-consensual content. OnlyFans claims to have a robust system for preventing sex trafficking and abusive content, including systems to verify content creators' ages. Yet an investigation by the BBC reveals that OnlyFans' age verification process has not been able to efficiently prevent child pornography from being uploaded to the site. Many underage creators have been found to use fake identification to create an account on OnlyFans, with one 14-year-old even using her grandmother's passport. And regardless, OnlyFans does not require uploaders to verify the age or consent of all participants, 
only the account owner, which means that non-consensual content can be easily uploaded to the platform. Of course, we're not claiming that all porn is non-consensual. Rather, we're raising awareness on the unfortunate reality of the porn industry, that there is often no way to tell whether the porn a consumer views is completely consensual or if it was produced with coercion. How else is porn connected to trafficking? There are all kinds of connections between pornography, sexual exploitation, and sex trafficking. Often, they're one and the same. But pornography and sex trafficking are connected in more ways than just one. For example, traffickers and abusers often use pornography to groom victims and train them on what is expected of them. Reports show that many sexual predators show their victims pornography during the grooming process in order to lower their victims' inhibitions, desensitize them to sexual advances, and normalize the sexual abuse they will experience. Because pornography can so effectively normalize sexual violence, it can then set the stage for victims' abuse, especially when consumers' viewing habits and fantasies involve violence or other fetishes. Elizabeth Smart, who was kidnapped from her home at age 14, was regularly shown pornography by her captor before he would rape her. She explains, and I quote, He'd look at me, and he'd be like, Now we're going to do this. The things that these women were being photographed doing were the things that I was being forced to do. It was almost like they were setting the bar, setting the standard of what my captor was going to force me to do next. It almost felt like this pornography was my sentencing. End quote. In fact, many survivors who have been sold for sex report being shown pornography by their traffickers or buyers to illustrate what is expected of them. As one survivor named Lexi, who was sex trafficked as a child, explained, and I quote, Right before any time a customer was brought into the room, I would be shown pornography. And being that young, I think it translated for me as an overall thing. As a woman, this is what men expect from you, and this is what people want from you. End quote. Not only can porn normalize abuse for victims, but it can also normalize sexual abuse in the minds of pornography consumers. Research suggests that when someone is consuming pornography, they're participating in objectification. And when consumers develop a pattern of objectification and dehumanization, viewing others as objects to be used rather than complex beings with individual agency, it can also become easier to commit violence against them. In fact, research has shown that porn consumers are more likely to express an intent to rape, less likely to intervene during a sexual assault, more likely to victim-blame survivors of sexual assault, more likely to support violence against women, more likely to forward sex without consent, and more likely to commit actual acts of sexual violence. In fact, some evidence suggests that the desensitization towards sexual violence through the consumption of porn can then manifest in more willingness to buy sex, which increases the demand for individuals being trafficked for sex. By now, you may be thinking, wow, I had no idea that sex trafficking was so linked with the porn industry. I guess I'll just stay away from any porn that looks like someone might have been abused. But again, there is actually no viable way to guarantee that any pornographic content is consensually or ethically made. As long as there's a demand for porn, 
especially porn that is extreme, abusive, or degrading, the porn industry will continue to exploit vulnerable people to meet that demand. A trafficking victim in a porn video is not likely going to turn to the camera and announce they are being trafficked. In fact, even if the victim does register their distress, it's still virtually impossible to distinguish, because rape and abuse-themed porn are so mainstream, and producers can edit content any way they choose. Remember that quote from Jane Doe that we used earlier? And I quote, I didn't know if they were going to kill me. Watching the video now, I can see it in my eyes. The quivering of my lips and my voice, I know exactly how I was feeling in that moment. But to anyone else who sees it, they see what they want, and they think I was complicit. End quote. As we discussed, modern sex trafficking shares a variety of symbiotic connections to pornography. Sex trafficking victims can be forced, tricked, or coursed into pornography production. Porn performers can be trafficked into acts that they didn't consent to. Porn can be used to groom trafficking victims and train them on what is expected of them. Porn can normalize sexual violence and objectification to the extent that, in some cases, the desensitization of consumers can manifest in more willingness to buy sex, thus increasing the demand for sexual exploitation and sex trafficking. When considering these issues, it's also important to remember that most young people are exposed to porn before they have a healthy understanding of sex, let alone an understanding of how porn can fuel sex trafficking. If you are struggling with a porn habit, please know that this doesn't make you a bad person. There are resources available to help you get to a healthier space. You can hate something, you can be outraged by it, but if you continue to sustain and engage with an industry that helps give it life, what is your outrage worth? Make it count. Be a voice against sexual exploitation and help stop the demand for sex trafficking by refusing to consume pornography. For those listening who feel they are struggling with pornography, you're not alone. Check out Fortify, a science-based recovery platform dedicated to helping you find lasting freedom from pornography. Fortify now offers a free experience for both teens and adults. Connect with others, learn about your unwanted porn habit, and track your recovery journey. There is hope. If you've enjoyed listening to Consider Before Consuming, consider making a one-time or recurring donation to support the podcast. Your contribution, whatever the amount, helps support our efforts to educate individuals on the impacts of pornography. Help keep this podcast going by donating to Consider Before Consuming today at ftnd.org forward slash support. That's ftnd.org forward slash support. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Consider Before Consuming. Consider Before Consuming is brought to you by Fight the New Drug. Fight the New Drug is a non-religious and non-legislative organization that exists to provide individuals the opportunity to make an informed decision regarding pornography by raising awareness on its harmful effects using only science, facts, and personal accounts. As you go about your day, we invite you to increase your self-awareness, look both ways, check your blind spots, and consider before consuming.